0: You're listening to KALX Berkeley, 90.7 FM, University of California, and listener-supported radio, and this is Method to the Madness, a public affairs program coming at you from the basement of Barrows Hall, talking to innovators all across the Bay Area. I'm your host, Ali Nazar, and today we're fortunate enough to have Christine Boyle with us from Valor Water Analytics. Hi, Christine.
1: Hi, Ali. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming in, <laughs> and um, we're excited to have you here. and. Uh, you're coming to us to talk about water
1: I am it's a it's a hot topic here in uh, the Bay Area in California this year.
0: yeah, yeah, your timing <laughs> is good so um, and you're coming out I think from a little bit of a different angle you're talking less about from the kind of consumer side and more from the municipality side is that right
1: that's right um,
0: so before, yeah. before we get into it, yeah. I want to I'll ask you just kind of on a high level. Mm-hmm. What's the problem statement? You're creating an organization to solve this problem. What is the problem as you see it?
1: So, um, in a nutshell, um, essentially, the the U.S. water municipalities and utilities have been providing great water, clean, affordable water across the United States for a long time, and they're very good at it. But things are changing climate is changing, um, plumbing is changing, populations are changing. And, and along with that, the utilities are kind of needing to change their game a little bit, too, in order to respond to these changes. One thing we look at a lot is call, we call the conservation conundrum. That is, with people using less water, what's going to happen to kind of the revenue side of, of, of uh, utilities and keeping water affordable for everyone while people are using less water and that's actually affecting utilities' bottom line? So um, that. You know that idea of conservation. We know is a good, but it's it's a little tricky when you're in the business of selling water um, and trying to keep it affordable for people.
0: That's really interesting. So, is it from a statistical perspective? Is it pretty clear that the the water usage is is shrinking.
1: It is. Across the country, um water you call you know from an economic perspective, you call it water demand. Water demand uh is declining. Even as populations grow, we've seen it in places as far as from Seattle to Atlanta to New York, um North Carolina, California. Uh, um, the average water use per household is is going down. Uh, wow. Which is which is good. Yeah, that's yeah. what we want. Yeah.
0: So you're you're kind of thinking past that and you're saying, okay, that's going to happen. That's right. And how do we make sure that water is still easily accessible and affordable to everybody?
1: That's right. Um, and so we provide solutions to water utilities in a number of ways to help them um, find out who's saving water, who isn't, who might need some assistance in terms of keeping water affordable um, and how to sort of target things and you know obama used to say let's do it with a with a scalpel instead of a machete kind of to think make things a little bit more um targeted to specific groups so we can help keep delivering that clean fresh nice water that everyone wants to come out of their tap when they turn that tap on Um,
0: yeah and it's amazing if you've ever traveled internationally you really realize how much for granted we take having clean water come out of our taps whenever we want it
1: i know it's It's really, I mean, when you think of American water utilities and the fact that you can turn that tap on without a second thought and know, you know, almost to a 100% level that that water is going to be clean and um, that you can drink it, you can bathe in it. Um, Strangely, you use that same water to, you know, water your grass, which is a little odd. Um, But it's, I mean, American water utilities are just some of the best in the world and so the idea is to keep them strong even as things are things are shifting um,
0: interesting okay yeah. so um that's the problem statement that's the problem keep, statement keep them uh, strong <laughs> yeah keep the infrastructure strong so I think with that background tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about yourself and how you kind of came to this problem
1: um that is a good question well I I studied water that's how I, I started um, I was you know as a Kind of more of a younger person, I traveled the world. And like you said, I traveled internationally and I saw um, places where water was really scarce and water was dirty and um, people weren't able to turn on their tap and get water. In fact, that would probably be what was making them sick a lot of the time. Um, so after some some travels, especially a lot, I spent a lot of time in China um, Spent some time in in South Asia, uh, came back to graduate school and and started to study water. (laughs) Um, And um, I studied at University of North Carolina. I got a doctorate there and um, worked with many water utilities. And was you know first of all just really impressed with with what water utilities were doing. But I also saw that there were a lot of things that utilities didn't know, and a lot of this was around um, having a closer look at what what their customers were doing. And I knew that because I, you know, I also am from Seattle and I knew amazon.com, for example, knows exactly what their customers do. They know, they know, for example, after you click around on the website, if you're, if you want your Diana Ross CD or you want a power saw, like they're able to tell you what kind of customer you are and to target different types of things to you. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we could kind of build a set of tools so that water utilities would know, are you an irrigator? Are you a large family? Are you a renter? Um, and be able to kind of pinpoint um, programs and different types of uh, messaging in in a similar way. Um, so I studied that for a long time. North Carolina really enjoyed my time there and then eventually got the call to a uh, Come west, <laughs> and came back this way.
0: Okay, so um, uh, that something that you just said to said makes me wonder. And we're listening yeah. to Christine Boyle, who's the founder and president of Valor Water Analytics, yeah. a um, a uh, startup out of San Francisco, right, based in San Francisco. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and so one one of the things you just said, and this is Method to the Madness, by the way, on KALX Berkeley. I'm Ali Nazar. and and I want to talk about you said inefficiency or you mm-hmm. you inferred that if yeah. the if the utilities want they're trying to understand more about the their user that's right cuz they're because the, they're using water incorrectly they need to educate them is that is that the problem that you're trying to get at
1: yeah um i mean it depends what the utilities goals are every utility is different and you know there's so much talk right now. The big, you know, Governor Brown came out on Tuesday with his um, announcements about the drought. And there's been a lot of um, people kind of pointing fingers around the state and saying, you know, hey, look at the coastal regions. They're not d- decreasing their water use. Um, look at this region. They're not decreasing their water use. And when it, what it comes down to is if you have a great supply, you can use all that water you want. So um, utilities are only constrained by their supply. So you can't... There's no kind of like one-size-fits-all rule. Um, we do see that with populations growing, especially in places here, like here in California, that efficiency overall is a good thing. And even if you have supply today, you don't always know that what your supply is going to be like tomorrow. So con- conservation and efficiency in that way are kind of um, securing a future. Um, but that being said, I mean people love their gardens, people love watering their lawns and if you have supply and if you're willing to pay for that there can be an efficient use there but hey, you got to pay.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I guess what I'm asking is yeah. um the uh the Amazon's use case for Mm -hmm. the analytics is very clear because they want to sell me more stuff. (laughs) Yeah. What is the utilities use case for the analytics? Like how, like, like besides just knowing how much water I spend, why would they care whether I'm a family or an irrigator or whatever?
1: Often it's, it's often, you know, it could be for different reasons. One, they might, you might be a group that they're trying to protect. Um, Like for example, when a utility raises its rates, um, and, and is trying to kind of drive efficiency through its rates, they might end up hurting large families. And that's typically been a pretty vocal voice um, amongst kind of customer groups uh, because those large families, you know, they're doing the laundry and taking five showers a day and such. So they're not necessarily inefficient users, but they're getting hit with a rate that is meant to target inefficient users. So it's, it's the idea is to kind of um, – The idea behind the analytics and what we call kind of this like business intelligence is to um, be able to target programming and pricing. And for renters, for example, we're in Berkeley and I lived in a college town for a long time too. Renters often are beholden to the plumbing and leakiness of whatever their landlords do. Um, So if you know where the renters are, you might be able to you know, kind of give those landlords low flow uh, toilet rebates and things like that so that... The renter, the the landlord is gonna help, um, kind of, or the utility and the landlord ultimately will help that that student, that grad student, um, behave more efficiently, efficiently and have a lower bill. Gotcha. So yeah. it's
0: kind of the the thought of the knowledge. With the knowledge comes the power. They can innovate and they can figure out. Different right. angles to optimize the infrastructure
1: yeah that's right and it's so it's not you know it's not to sell more water for sure but it's to um, you know kind of approach things in a more every group is different let's let's all kind of have a, a case that works for us in terms of how we use water
0: now um, was there uh, was there some incident with water on your trips that made you did you get sick from water or something? What what turned on the, the water love?
1: Wow. I have gotten sick from water. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, you know, I think that water is really interesting. I mean, there's so many different aspects to it. You see it. The artists love to draw water. Uh, you know, there's sort of the religious and spiritual aspects of water. Um, there's the environmental aspect of water. But what really drew me into the water was water as kind of a human right and something that i thought like all people should have access to clean and affordable water and and you know across this world they they just don't and that a way to kind of empower people to you know like take care of their families and have jobs and do good in the world is making sure that they don't get sick and and i did get sick (laughs) from water i mean i didn't i haven't had um like typhoid or cholera knock on wood but I certainly have lots of friends that have, and know lots of people that have, and have seen that it's just sort of a needless um, impediment for people to to live their lives. Um, and so it it inspired me this sort of this this human right to water and a human right to to clean water. It's um, kind of led me across on this long journey, and it's yeah. been a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you you the um, journey kind of began with the PhD. It sounds like. So you yeah. now you're. Doctor Christine Boyle, and that's that sounds really cool. <laughs> and you decided to start a company. Yeah. So how did how did you get to that point of of attacking water from this perspective of, of starting a company to, yeah. to deal with it?
1: Um, you know, I I love being a graduate student, and I and I enjoy kind of the scholarly contributions. Um, so a couple of things happen. One is that you know I I kind of a bit of impatience about myself that I kind of, I really liked kind of the the action and putting, implementing ideas and seeing things um, kind of on the ground, bring around the good that I, that I was kind of seeking in the, to, you know, for my career. Um, Academia does that in a, in a more slow paced way. Um, But I can say this to all the students that might be listening to is that I was lucky as a student to uh, work on a really cool research project um, and that research project was this, you know, customer sales analysis that I did at University of North Carolina with a great team there, Environmental Finance Center. And when I saw that we had created something that we could kind of scale and bring to um, to the world, to the market, that was kind of too exciting for me um, to turn to turn back from. So I just, you know, I was like, you know, to take a your homework project, or your your grad school project, and then like turn it into bring it to market was just an opportunity that I just saw was like ripe at that moment. Okay, so um, the
0: the genesis of Valor Water Analytics was your research project, your 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 graduate project?
1: It was a graduate project. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw so I have a licensing agreement with the University of North Carolina. Okay, great. uh uh-huh, to do this to continue to do this work. Okay, um, so
0: you you came out as this um, yeah. Doctoral student with this really great idea, yeah. And then, well, how did you go from there? I'm sure there's some graduate students who the ears just picked up, was like, <laughs> I know. "Wow, she started a business." How do you go from there to moving across the country and actually starting a business? And yeah. tell us a little bit about what is what is the business? What does it do?
1: So the business, um, so we take uh, water utility customer data, like like billing data, de-identified, so everyone's protected. We don't, no one's looking at account numbers or anything. But we we clean it and then we present it to utilities as you know kind of a dashboard of sorts, um, so they can look in at things like their revenue profile and what their different kind of customer segmentation profiles look like, and um, even as much as like what what is are the financial impacts of drought, um, what are the financial impacts of conservation, and how how does that affect your future planning? So it's served up as a um, as a dashboard that they can click on and um, is updated. And on the back end is the technology part, which is a lot of, you know, the database management and data cleaning and the analytics that we write, you know, for everyone who's in uh, social sciences or natural sciences, we use R, which is a great programming language, Um So that was the part that as a company, we, you know, we needed to get some investors, we needed to test the market a little bit and see if there was going to an appetite for this um, product and uh, kind of take it from a research project into something that was a little more um, salient and kind of ready for the market to kind of, you know, Put some more pizzazz to it. <laughs> yeah,
0: so and we're yeah. we're speaking with Christine Boyle, the founder and CEO of Valor Water Analytics, uh, which is a water startup in the San Francisco, in the in, in the city of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, here on Method to the Madness on KALX Berkeley ninety point seven FM, I'm your host Ali Nazar. And um tell us a little bit about your investors and how you raise money. It's um yeah. it's a hard thing to do especially <laughs> for someone do. who's an academic. It's know. you know it's something that you probably hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. How did how did that go down?
1: So, um you know, I started how a lot of people start is kind of went to friends and family and I had a little uh we call like bootstrapping <laughs> in the lingo. Um so started with a little pocket of money and got a demo ready that enough, you know, you, it's kind of like, you need money to build your thing, but you can't build your thing until you have money. It's a, it's, it's tough, especially when, um, you're kind of new, you know, new to it all. You're not a kind of a seasoned veteran. Um, so I got a little money to build the demo and did that. And we have we have several contracts in the in the um, state of North Carolina that, you know, continue to feed some revenue. And then built the demo and just kind of went around and started talking to investors and getting people excited. Um, and
0: Is there like a, a set of water investors, like people very interested you know, in there's water? Some,
1: there's some really neat stuff going on in San Francisco. Let me name two that are really, really neat. First is... Tummel, which is the accelerator that Valor Water Analytics is in their 2014 summer cohort. They're a urban ventures accelerator, and we're part of that group now. They've been incredibly helpful to us. Um, and that's solving urban problems, is their their niche, and it's they're terrific. There's another accelerator that we're affiliated with called Imagine H2O. Again, like an accelerator. For solving water problems. So, they also help connect us to, to investors and investment groups. Um, I got, and you know, just to sort of like different things to do to <laughs> kind of dive into the deep end of the pool, I joined the industry association and was elected chair of the American Waterworks Association um, Financial Management Committee. So, I, you know, could really got to have my feet on the ground and um, be able to attend all the conferences and, and you know, like just. Go for it, and kind of transition from being a scholar to more of a entrepreneurial side. Um, so, I've been busy, <laughs> yeah.
0: and uh, so you just jumped in. It sounds I like. did. This is, this is the common. We have a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. on the show. Almost all entrepreneurs, and that's the common theme. It's just it's the passion really for the problem that you're trying to solve, it's and true. that's what drives everything else. And and yeah. you can kind of solve any problem as long as you've got that passion.
1: Yeah, and and you kind of believe in your solution and and I real I mean from the we've worked with 12 utilities across the country now we've just recently signed our uh first contract for northern California which we're excited about and like we've seen the results and so that part you know keeps you going too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so um so you went out, you started knocking on investor doors, making presentations. Mm-hmm um and then you've now it's and when did uh you start Valorwana Analytics?
1: Oh, uh, we incorporated in November 2013.
0: Okay. So yeah. it's been about 8 9 months or something it's like that. It's been about
1: 8 9 months. We're a baby. Yeah, yeah.
0: And um and you said you have 14.
1: <laughs> we have 14. Several of them were from working at the university. So they are kind of like legacy uh legacy contracts, I would call them. Um so they we've used, you know, we've done these analytics with them. But they're, you know, they're, they're kind of legacy contracts as opposed to, you know, kind of moving forward uh, in, in the California market. So, yeah. Okay. Which is okay. <laughs> and, and
0: you you made reference to some success that you've seen. Is that yeah. success in terms of getting new contracts or success in the usage of the product by the utilities?
1: Um, well, both. I mean, we're excited to have, kind of have points on the board yeah. <laughs> with the contract. But mostly in the results. I mean, just to chat with the... You know the CFOs and general managers, and like for example, we we worked with a, a a utility that we were able to show them how much use their water use has changed, and how much that that's um, kind of impacted their bottom line. And they there was a drought in uh, two thousand seven, two thousand eight in North Carolina, and we saw that in fact a lot of their customers. They had aimed for a 20% reduction, but 18% of their customers had reduced by 50%. I mean, that's a lot. That's a big reduction. And although that's good, it also meant that they lost $1.2 million in revenue that year. And they were kind of scratching their heads about, okay, how does that impact us moving forward? What do we do with that? Is that kind of a permanent shift downward? And we were able to help them um, kind of strategize around setting their conservation marks while re- remaining um, fiscally healthy.
0: Um, so Interesting. Yeah. So that, that's great. So it's that's really exciting. Nine months in and you're already got customers and getting feedback, and <laughs> this is a very, such a meaningful thing you're doing. So that's very exciting. Congratulations.
1: Thanks, okay, it's It's been fun. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, uh, again, we're talking to Christine Boyle, the founder and CEO of Valor Water Analytics. And so I want to kind of pivot a little bit. We've been talking about your solution, yeah. and, and it's really exciting what's going on with you. Um, but now as someone who has studied water and yeah. has um, an analytics company about water, so you know a lot. Yeah. So I want to I ask about what everybody seems to be concerned about as a supply side. I think yeah. you're talking about the demand side, which we can control somewhat, but we can't yeah. control the supply side unless yeah. we start doing crazy desalination things or whatever. So yeah. what, what's your – as someone who sits in uh, in this industry and has a lot of experience and knowledge – Um, tell us a little bit about what you see on the
1: supply side. So supply, I mean, in, I think, you know, we can just kind of talk about an arid climate, a place where supply is constrained, like California. Um, there are major, huge investments going into securing supply and, you know, like, kind of like I said at the beginning, my, you, you can secure more supply. You can desalinate but it's very expensive, so I think that the the balance that communities need to 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 come to is okay. You can you there are supply options, but how do you how do you do that in a way that keeps water affordable for your community um, and doesn't completely mortgage you know many generations to come in terms of paying for it? I mean, I was just down in San Diego, and they that is a very impressive water agency, but they've invested. Um, over a billion dollars in their desal projects and, you know, multiple reservoirs. And that, that works for that community. And that's okay. Um, but it's very expensive and not all in you, you have to kind of assume that there's going to be economic growth and such to pay for that. And that's not going to be right for every community. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a tough balance, but I am a huge fan of investments in reclaim, recycling um i've been to the orange county reclaim facility i think that is a really great way to move forward i mean water after it is a renewable resource and the more you can leverage it as that the better um but it's expensive
0: <laughs> yeah so. and it's interesting um, yeah. when i hear you talk about it it sounds like it's so much dependent upon the local municipalities like we have east bay mud here right and and they have to do a lot of innovation it sounds like cuz there's a a, a solution that's going to be just particular for that particular area. Yeah. Um, so, are you um, seeing widely variant strategies as you travel over the country and learn different ways people are attacking this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there are some some trends. I mean, one thing to keep in mind that's tough is the major cost that many communities are facing right now across the nation is uh, simple replacing of their infrastructure in terms of like kind of like pipes in the ground Um, these pipes were mostly laid in the 50s 60s and 70s they're at their point where they need replacement Um, and just that alone has for the for the nation has a huge price tag so that is kind of a and that means what you have when you when you don't have good pipes is you have leaks and you have kind of again these kind of inefficient systems so the first thing to do so a community to decide: Is it better for them to sort of address those leaky pipes before they invest in new supply? Because um, you know that's sort of like the low-hanging fruit before you start to do other stuff. So uh, you're you're totally right, though. It's community by community that you, it matters their uh, kind of willingness to pay, their supply options, their their infrastructure status. So there is no one size fits all. Even neighbor to neighbor, so it's 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 remarkable.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like yeah. it doesn't make sense to put solar panels on your house if you haven't sealed the building envelope yet. It's true. Because yeah, then it's kind of a waste.
1: Yeah, it. You know, you want to kind of capture efficiencies when you can, and and being first thing about being efficient in water is like not to lose water through a leaky toilet or leaky pipes or what have you. Yeah. Um.
0: Okay, well, kind of continuing that um, vein for our listeners out there who we are in a drought here in California. We are in a drought. So um, can you just remind us of some of the tactics we can all take as consumers to continue the conservation um, kind of inertia or whatever you want, momentum? Sounds like it's happening, but what what can we do to make uh, better use of the water we have?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, Well, we are in a drought and, you know, it, it takes the contribution of everyone. I mean, you know, the governor and the state water resource control board are just put in a law where you can't use what I would call kind of think I think people should think about discretionary water use. I mean, this was about spraying your sidewalks like it's t- in a drought, you got to use a broom, <laughs> you know, you um, you know, when it comes to watering your lawn, that's discretionary. You know, if you don't need to use it, be mindful of not, you know, not using it in a place where we don't know if we're going to have water for kind of basic uses, um, you know, maybe. So that's where we're starting now. We're not at a point where, you know everyone has to take Navy showers, but you know, at least at this point, it's very important to just limit discretionary water use. Be careful about water. you know, we, at my house, we have um, buckets in our showers that we collect water to take care of our garden and our plants. Um, You can keep a bucket in your kitchen sink and use that water uh, as long as it's not soapy (laughs) um, for your garden. So things like that, where, you know, it's, it's simple kind of easy things that, that, you know, are just going to, um, help, help everyone, um, keep kind of beat this drought.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, that's great advice. And and, and from your opinion, I mean, I grew up in California. I remember drought, like big droughts before. How much of this is, is related to climate change? Do you think, or is it just this, we always have drought patterns we've had since history, I would think.
1: Yeah. And this, this drought seems to be severe. I mean, and drought is interesting because you can measure it in different ways. You can measure drought as uh, kind of like a hydrologic pattern. And this one hydrologically is serious and long. Um, drought can also be kind of an economic drought where simply um, your supply doesn't meet demand. And, and uh, California is a growing state, you know, populations are growing. So in that way, kind of the population pressures are making the impacts of the drought um, more serious. Uh, So in terms of climate change, it's hard. I mean, it's not my area, but I think that this idea of wider swings in weather of both flood and drought patterns, it's hard to deny that we're seeing these wider swings. And um, part of my job and my company's job is to help water utilities kind of build their resilience to these larger swings among other types of changes, um, happening, uh, in our country.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, and you, you talked about your company and this is Christine Boyle, the founder and CEO of Valor, Valor, Water Analytics. And I always like to end the show by asking the question of an entrepreneur like yourself, Yeah. if everything broke totally right for your company five years from now, what would it look like?
1: Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, so we, what we want is, you know what we're selling to utilities: this idea of kind of business intelligence for water utilities and new tools to understand customers and, and the um, relationship between customers, revenue, and sales. It's a new concept, so it's going to take a little while to. But what we want is we want we want to sell the concept. We want utilities to begin thinking this way because, you know, I honestly think that this is going to help strengthen um, their position to again kind of provide clean and affordable water. So. Uh, at some point we would like to partner with kind of larger organizations that are servicing utilities um water utilities there are thousands of water utilities um so you know to to kind of to reach all those communities is a is a big job and- eventually we'll we'll partner with kind of larger organizations that are already kind of uh in these places in these communities to help. Um, but I would love to see, you know, we need to sell the concept first and prove ourselves. So in five years, hopefully we'll have done that and really be kind of integrated into um, utility operations.
0: Oh, great. So. Exciting. You know, there's so many different types of innovation. And this is one that I think people don't really understand how important it is. These are infrastructure investments that need to be made in the country yeah. to make us resilient and be able to, withstand whatever is gonna come our way. That's so right. uh, thank you for the the idea and for coming on the show today. really appreciate it. And if people want to learn more, how would they get in touch with you?
1: Uh you can uh reach me probably via email is the best. uh Christine at Valorwater.com or look at valorwater.com and, and reach out to us. I like talking to everyone. I love talking to students. So um for the students in particular uh, my heart goes out to you for all your hard work and dedication, and um, always feel free to reach out.
0: Okay, well, thanks for coming on the, the <laughs> yeah. show today, Christine. You've been listening to Method to the Madness on KALX Berkeley. My name's Alina Nazar. Thanks for listening, and have a great Friday, everybody.